Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Green Christmas, everybody. Hey, just want to start off with a little bit of congregation participation. Um, I'm not going to make you stand up or sit down, so don't worry. I feel like our quads have had a fair workout already. Thanks for that, Helen. Um, but I'm aware it's 24th of November. We are kicking off a Christmas series here at the Forge. Just want to sort of see where we are on the Christmas spectrum um, from Grinch to Father Christmas. And so my type of people, first and foremost, um, give us a cheer if you have already finished all of your Christmas shopping. One person. Consider yourself the most organized person in the whole of Forge Debenham. That is a definite prize worth getting. Um, And so uh, give us a cheer if you've deliberately already listened to a Christmas song. A few more people. How about Christmas film? Die Hard Counts. (laughs) Definitely counts. No matter what Alex Laver says or anyone else says, Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas film. Uh, Give us a cheer if uh, you've already put up Christmas decorations in your house. Oh, okay, so maybe we're not quite there yet. Um, On the other side of the spectrum, though, who woke up and found out we were doing a Christmas series here at the Forge and has already complained? Cowards. Cowards, the lot of you. Cowards, like, we're kicking off a brand new Christmas series, and so wherever you are on that spectrum, if you're watching online, um, welcome to you as well as we kick off this new series. What we're doing in this series is we're, trying to, uh, we're going to be looking at Christmas through a few different lenses to try and get maybe a slightly different perspective. We're all used to dreaming of a white Christmas, but what would it look like to dream of a green Christmas or a blue Christmas? What would it look like if we looked through those different lenses? And so if some of you are packing Uh, panicking um, because you're thinking, oh my goodness, like he's going to change Christmas tradition, like I'm really used to that sort of thing. You don't need to worry about any of those sort of things. We're not going to be telling you your traditions are bad. We're not going to be telling you that stockings are a sin, Um, although those type of stockings, perhaps a different Sunday to talk about those being sins. But... (laughs) We're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be looking at a different perspective through different lenses of Christmas. And so let's get starting to dream. uh, Let's start dreaming of a green Christmas. When you think of the color green, um, normally one of two different areas uh, will start sparking in your imagination. Uh, Whilst we probably don't need reminding, Google will probably help us in that if you type it in or confirm it for you. Green often gives ideas, first and foremost, of things like new life. Things like um, uh, freshness, growth, nature, energy, energy. I mean, when you think about uh, looking at your phone and you look in the top right-hand corner and it's got the little battery symbol, uh, if it's an iPhone, it's normally green. It sort of symbolizes good stuff. When we think of green things, normally our minds go straight to trees and this idea of nature, growth, production, freshness, those sorts of things. 
On the other side of that, though, there's also another green lens, which we might think of, if we think of somebody as a green person, we might think of them as jealous. We might think of envy. We think of greed, consumption, money, sickness. I mean, think about it. When you look at, um, uh, even when you look at apps on your phone, the ones around consumption and money saving and coupon vouchers, they're often normally green apps. When you look at the emoji on your phone of somebody throwing up or being ill, they're normally green emojis. When we think of somebody jealous, like a cartoon character getting jealous, they often turn green. We often have these two lenses of how we can see through um, the green lens, as it were. And I think that's a pretty fair place to start, because when it comes to Christmas, when it comes to life, and even when it comes to faith, which lens, which lens do we predominantly find ourselves looking through? Because I would guess, for many of us, it's not the lens in which breeds new life, freshness, growth, nature, energy, all of those good things. For some of us, actually, it's the other lens. How many of us instinctively just get jealous at the other Christmases that other people seem to get? How many of us maybe get envious that they get to get that thing for their kids? I mean, I've been speaking to some parents, and they always talk about how awkward it can be at school when you, um, uh, with some kids, and you send them to school, and they found out that Father Christmas bought them whatever, and Father Christmas could own it, and this sort of brings a, a greed or an, a, an envy around that. How much of Christmas is just seeing how much we can consume, how much we can uh, gain, how much we can get, how many of us feel sick at the idea of having to use the debit card again just when we know it's already not in a place where we want it to be? How many of us get ill at how much we have to do? Often when it comes to looking at Christmas, those things can be the predominant things in which we look through and feel and embrace. For some of us, we'll be thinking... I know somebody like that. For somebody here or people here, we might be thinking, I know that I am somebody just like that. And Helen's going to quickly uh, help me with this because I think that as we look to, well, hey, here we go, as we look to thinking like that and having that perspective over uh, Christmas, I'll do this. There we are. As we start to think of those things uh, as, as we go through Christmas and even through life, I think that Christmas and I think life and I think most dangerously faith can quickly become a box ticking exercise, right? I mean, when we think of, oh man, if Christmas is going to be a success, if things are going to be right, if we're going to be looking like other families and doing things in the way in which we should be doing, if people are going to enjoy themselves, we've got to start ticking the box. We've got to make sure that we get that thing correct. We need to get that thing in order for Christmas to be a success because every year we have it. We've got to spend this amount on presents because if we spend this amount on presents, that's going to be a good thing. These people have got to be happy. I've got to write the Christmas cards. I've got to do this. I've got to do this because that's what everybody seems to do. Tick the box. Tick the box, tick the box, tick the box. And as we look at what other people do and what, as we look at what we're supposed to be doing, what the adverts tell us, we tick the box, we tick the box. And I think this expands and this is just a symptom of how we often live our lives. How many of us right now, when it comes to your life, before Christmas and this year, you have felt like life has just become a constant box ticking um, uh, event? 
How many of us do we find that this has just become a box ticking event? We wake up in the morning and then we have to try and go for the promotion in the job. We've then got to try uh, and get the best car we can possibly get. We've got to do what everybody else is doing. We've got to have the holiday. We've got to make sure that we do this this year. We've got to try and work out what we're going to sacrifice over the weekend in order that we get the stuff done. Box tick, box tick, box tick. Go to bed, repeat the next day. Box tick, whatever it is for you, you know that there's just that thing that you just feel like you have to do and it's draining life and draining energy. Most dangerously, think about when it comes to faith. How many of us has faith become a box ticking activity? For some of us, we get up on Sundays and we know that we have to go to church. Box tick. We have to go to the midweek group. Box tick. We've got to sign up to a serving team. Box tick. We've got to uh, give. Box tick. Box tick. Box tick. Box tick. Box tick. Our lives can quickly become a box ticking exercise. And I fear that when it does, with every box we tick, the pen slowly runs out of ink. Our lives can become dry. Our lives become stale, boring. Particularly when it comes around faith, we might start to think, okay, well, I'm going to start looking at different people. I'm going to start looking at other churches. And can I say, I don't really blame you initially. Because I would think if that is what life and that is what faith has become for you, something has just got to change. You might think of a time in life where faith was far more than that for you. Life was far more exciting than that for you. And somehow, somehow, somewhere, we have got to a box ticking kind of life. A box ticking kind of faith. Even a box ticking kind of Christmas. When you look at the beginning of the Christmas story, the beginning of the story of Jesus, we'll find that it is a green Christmas, but not in the way in which we often see Christmas as green. You will find that it is full of freshness, full of growth, full of energy, full of new life. And the place I actually want to start this series isn't where the story of Jesus really begins, where uh, it's in the, uh, a section of books called the Gospels. A couple of people write about Jesus' birth, uh, and it talks about how it happened and where it happened. It gives the real specific uh, details of that, and we're going to be hearing a lot around that, I'm sure, this Christmas. I actually want to start with a preview of Christmas. Like any good blockbuster films, um, uh, Christmas has a preview. In fact, in uh, 740 AD was written the preview. In a book of, uh, called Isaiah, um, in a book called Isaiah that was written all of that time ago, the nation of Israel, God's people, found themselves in a box-ticking zone. They found themselves in a life where uh, the kings were becoming increasingly evil and the same patterns of evil were emerging. They found themselves offering sacrifices to God because that's what they were supposed to be doing and they were doing it over and over and time and time again but with no real heart, with no real energy and no real love or knowledge of why they should be doing it. The same thing was going on over and over and over again. And God was looking at this and God was looking at the evil. God was looking at the child sacrifices. God was looking at the worship of the foreign gods. And he was looking at this thinking, I cannot sit by whilst other people are being oppressed. And I cannot sit by whilst my people are not looking at how my people should look. And so he sends this man, Isaiah, to give a message to the people. And you can find it near the middle uh, of this book that we call the Bible in the Old Testament, written in 740-ish AD. And Isaiah gives this real message of warning, and he gives a message of hope. 
And it's in this message of hope that he almost writes a preview, a prophecy of someone to come, somebody who's going to come and ultimately is going to bring a completely new change to everything that's currently happening. Now, just pause for a moment. Maybe you're somebody who's skeptical or know somebody who is skeptical. Just consider for a moment what it would be like if in King Edward I's day in 1280, um, they wrote a prophecy of someone to come and they wrote on how they were going to be born, where they were going to be born, how explicitly they were going to die and what that was going to look like. Um, if they wrote the things in, the watch, uh, in which that person was going to do, what they were going to be known for, the legacy they were going to have one day. And then, now it came true, and we saw that exact working out, that fulfilling of prophecy in ways in which they may not have even had full control over. You might look at that prophecy and think, okay, well, there's something going on there, but it's certainly worth making a note of. And that's what we find at the beginning of Isaiah, and let's read it together. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot Yes, a new branch, a green branch, bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now we know, just pausing for a second, we know that because of other prophecies around Isaiah that we're gonna be looking at throughout this series, we know because of what Jesus said, we know what because of uh, what happened after Jesus' life, that this is a verse almost saying this is what Jesus is gonna be like. This is a passage about who Jesus is. And it says the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Putting this in perspective, this is not where this nation was at. This is not what this nation looked like. And right at the beginning of the Christmas story, there is a preview to say, hey, listen, one day it's not gonna look like this anymore. One day, this routine that you've got yourself in where the same old, same old, same old has happened, the same old things that were once good, some of these things were once good for us. And I'm not saying that routine is a bad thing. In fact, often routine can bring growth. I just think that when our routines become too routine, the joy and the goodness and the things that we were once supposed to gain from those things often dry up. The pen runs out of ink. We get tired with it. We find ourselves disengaged from those things. And this is where the Israelites were at. And what Isaiah is saying is, no, 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 no. Before anything else, before he even comes, we need to recognize that when this guy comes, things aren't going to look the same. Something new is going to happen. Let's just look back at right at the very beginning of that verse. Out of the stump of David's family, David, David was the king of Israel that everybody looked back on. The king which people looked back and thought, those were the good old days. That's when we saw a big, beautiful tree growing up strong with gorgeous branches and, and we saw life and we saw growth and we saw uh, victory and we saw all those great life-giving things. And slowly as we got ourselves into the routine where we started doing good things but out of bad habits and good things but without the heart in which we were supposed to have behind them, it was like an ax came to that tree one time after another and now it's just grown into this stump. And for you... Maybe that's where you find faith at the moment. There was a time where you met Jesus and it was like when you were driving into the supermarket and you were just praying that you would find a space and 
God just sort of put down a beam of light and there was a space ready for you to drive into. For some of you, it was a, a prayer of a miraculous healing and you saw that. For some of you, you came to church and there was a time where it was so fruitful and so good and it was like every time you came on a Sunday, every time you met up with a, a like-minded person of faith, it would be like God was speaking to you and slowly, the things you were doing were just something that just became too routine and they dried out and they were good things. But the pen slowly began to run out of ink. And that's where Israel was at, out of the stump of David's family. A new shoot grew. We'll grow a new shoot, a new branch, bearing fruit from the old root. When Jesus came, this is what we need to know as we approach the Christmas story. When Jesus came, he was not just coming to bring a new philosophy or a new theory, or a new morality, or a new just idea. Jesus came ultimately to bring a brand new, fresh, adventurous, revolutionary storyline in which you were invited to be part of. A new branch. And for some of us, life has just become a tick box exercise, tick box exercise, and faith has become dry for us. We're becoming increasingly disengaged. We start to live life as if life was normal and nothing fresh faith-wise. Jesus isn't speaking to us, or at least it feels like God isn't speaking to us. And yet when Jesus came, it's not supposed to be like that. What Jesus does when he comes to earth, what this is saying faith should ultimately be like is that Jesus is inviting you into a life transformational, um, a beautifully hospitable Dangerously prayerful, increasingly vulnerable, fighting, faith-building against all forms of injustice, community in which Jesus is the heart of, in which he invites you in by grace and by weaknesses, our weaknesses, we are made strong because of Jesus. That is the faith in which we are made to be part of. It's supposed to be new. It's supposed to be life-giving, life-transformational. For many of us, for many of us, life has just become this. And when life becomes a box-ticking exercise, we slowly, slowly start running out of ink. And my fear for us, my fear for us is that when we live the same old, same old lives, if nothing changes for us, our lives are just going to continue to be the same. And Jesus wants far more for you. When I look at the most uh, life-giving moments for me within my faith, they're moments where I started to ask myself questions of what is it right now God wants to do with me? What is it right now that God wants to be communicating um, with me? What is he encouraging me into? For me, I can remember a, a real moment where I look back on and just think, yeah, that was some a time in which I just want my life to replicate more and more and more of. Uh, it was a time I was coming back from Leicester uh, to Ipswich uh, on a bus. It was a box-ticking exercise. It was a journey I had to make. It was just another thing to do. And as I sat in the coach, um, I can remember sitting there and I just felt, uh, I just asked this question, God, what is it that you want of me right now? What is it right now? What is it that you want to be talking to me about? What is it? And I just felt compelled, before I'd even looked around, just to say, the people behind you need a conversation. And so I was sitting there, and I was like really reluctant to turn around, because I thought, oh, once you make eye contact, you know, it's like awkward. 
And so I was sitting there and I was sort of debating this, being like, God, what is this? Like, I, I just, like, is this really something you want? Is this just my imagination? Is this just something I'm thinking? Like, what's going on here? And so eventually I was sitting down, I looked around, and behind me was this Hindu family, a man, a woman, and their child. Um, and I just went, hi, nice to meet you, I'm Johnny. And they sort of thought, oh, okay, this isn't normal, but hi. And they sort of introduced themselves, and we had a conversation and found out where we were coming from, which uh, we both realized was Leicester, and where we were going to, which we both realized was Ipswich. Uh, and we had this conversation. I said, listen, this is kind of awkward, and this might be wrong, but I'm someone of faith. I, I believe in Jesus, and I believe he's alive, and I believe he's just asked me to have a conversation with you around what that looks like. Do you mind if I share a little bit about my life and some answers to prayer I've had? And he, they were like, okay, yeah, sure. And so I told them some stories and of just what recently God was challenging me on and what that looked like. And I was thinking, this just isn't what I would recommend people to do. Uh, and so I was having this conversation at the end. He says, listen, you need to understand where I come from. Where I come from, there are many different gods and everybody claims they're alive and they're doing something. And I said, okay, well, that's fair. But have any of those gods done anything for you? Genuine question, purposeful hands open. And he said, no. And so I was sitting there and I thought, would you mind, would you mind if I prayed for you just to see if my God would do anything in your life? At that point, I was thinking, this isn't how it's supposed to be, maybe, but I couldn't have been more wrong. God is wanting to do something new. It could have just been another tick box exercise, but God was challenging me to step out of the box a little bit, saying, no, 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 something new has to take place. Something new you have to be encouraged into. So I prayed for this guy and he just sort of all of a sudden looked really still and he closed his eyes and his wife was looking at him like, what's going on here? And as I prayed for this guy, he just sort of started to breathe heavily and I was like, okay, I don't want to manipulate anything and people were looking around on the bus and I was like, this isn't really what I'd normally do. And then he opened his eyes and I said, anything happened? <laughs> and this guy looks at me and just goes, I have never felt peace like that. I would have missed the opportunity if I just saw faith as a box, if I just saw faith as something I was supposed to turn up to, something that I was supposed to just to help out with, something I was supposed to do rather than something that Jesus is encouraging me to become more of. If you are not somebody of faith, I just want to say that you are so, so welcome here. In fact, we try and create this community with you in mind, um, uh, and we want to start walking with you on whatever journey you are on, whether that's faith at the moment or anything else. We're so glad that you're here. But if you are exploring faith and you're asking questions, and I just want to say that's such a good place to be in. Ask as many questions as you can. Explore it, wrestle with it, disagree with it, um, change your mind with things, whatever it is. I want to encourage you to do that. But let me say, the more you start following this guy, Jesus, your life will not look the same. And if you are somebody of faith and you look at your life now and think, my life hasn't really changed that much from what it was, or my life doesn't look all that different from other people I know, maybe God is challenging you. Maybe God is challenging you to maybe step out a little bit from the box ticking of life into something new, a new journey, a new conversation, a new stepping out a new encouragement, a new challenge. God wants to do something new in you. And to start finishing up as I invite the band back up as well, I want to go through two practical things, two practical things in which I want to say wherever you are on faith, you can partake in, which will allow you to start seeing faith as new, which might allow this Christmas to start being a little bit new. And these can apply for life, but I think actually most apply to faith. 
If you're somebody who's not uh, yet somebody of faith, if you're somebody who's exploring this thing out and thinking, does Christianity even offer anything different? Is it just a morality? Because I've heard a lot of things about church. I've heard a lot, of thing about, uh, a lot of things about Christians. I want to challenge you to ask a question. I want you to commit to asking the question regularly this Christmas, um, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Not what does church say? Uh, or what is church like? Not what are Christians like? Who is Jesus like? What is uh, Jesus saying uh, when he says these certain things? And to do that, I want to encourage you to read a book. Um, it's not a long book. It's a book that's 24 chapters long, but fairly small chapters in the way in which we read books now. Um, it's called the Book of Luke. You can find it in the Gospels. Many of you will know about it. There'll almost certainly be someone uh, sitting to the side of you who'll be able to direct you to it. It's found in the New Testament. You can read one chapter every day through Advent. Make it an Advent calendar, um, if you will. Every day, just read one chapter about who this Jesus is and ask the question, who is Jesus? Because chances are, when you see how this man speaks, when you see who this man was and is, you will find that he is someone who invites people into a new storyline and that that invitation is also open to you too. If you are somebody who perhaps isn't new to faith, who perhaps has been um, coming to church for a while, perhaps someone who uh, faith has dried up a little bit, like a dry pen where you were ticking all the right boxes, but somehow faith is now just feeling stale. I want you to ask a different question regularly this month. If you're watching online or on Catch Up, you can start this from whenever you are, but maybe this can become a Christmas challenge for you. Ask yourself the question, what is it? What is it that Jesus might be asking of me at this very moment? What is it that Jesus might be asking of me at this very moment? When you're sitting down in a doctor's office, when you're walking the kids to school, when you're driving in the car, when you find yourself in a pivotal conversation at work, when you're sitting around the table with family, what is it at this very moment? What is it at this very moment Jesus might be wanting to say to me? Out of the box ticking of life, it might look different to usual. There might be a million excuses not to do it. But as Jesus speaks to you, as the Holy Spirit consumes you and talks to you, what is it in which he wants you to be stepping out in? Because Jesus wants something new for you. He doesn't want the same old, same old. And my fear is that if your life is looking like the same old, same old, same old, then one day, if nothing changes, your life is going to look the same. I have a phrase with a friend I know called Chris, and we sort of say it fairly often to challenge ourselves. And we often say, in 20 years' time, I don't want to wake up and for my life not to look any different from where it is at the moment. What is it for you where you can stop ticking the box? and start stepping out a little bit more. What new thing, what new journey is it that Jesus wants to invite you into this Christmas? That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.